0: Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you so much for tuning into the Urban Misfit show today. Today we had on Adam White, CEO and founder of Front Office Sports. Awesome dude, very young, and just literally took a hobby and ran with it in college, and it's turning out to be a career for him. He talked about his struggles, he talked about overcoming those struggles, and some cool stuff that's coming up with front office sports, Um, yeah listen
1: so yeah adam white uh, ceo and founder of front office sports we're a b2b media company covering the intersection of sports and business it's something that i've ran for the last four plus years uh, first three years were all while i was at school at the university of miami the last year was just uh, as after i graduated kind of figuring out if i wanted to still leave it as a hobby or a passion or turn it into a real business and uh yeah it kind of then took its took its own legs and took its own wings i guess and got us to where we are now and now it's really actually about making it into a real real business um, you know having much more of the processes that come with that and i think there's a there's a big wide open space for us to to continue to have our own niche and where we can succeed and so i'm looking forward to having a team finally, a full-time team that can hopefully achieve the goals that we want to in, in 2019 and beyond.
0: That's awesome, man. And uh, I've been following you for a little bit on LinkedIn and um, I was actually subscribed to front office sports in previous positions uh, with the Bucks and uh, with a minor league conglomerate here in Milwaukee. And it's been awesome to see you guys grow. And I know uh, you just locked down some office space and um, you're... you're it sounds like you're going to be hiring and you are hiring right now and, and growing at a rapid pace. What's been the the biggest challenge for you kind of growing and um, making decisions on the move here?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing with anything is
0: making sure you're hiring the right people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the, the hardest part
1: about any type of startup or business is that uh, the people that you want to hire you're going to have to make sure you have enough money to hire those people right because the best of the best probably aren't going to be able to fit in your budget Uh, so you have to find a way to work with someone who might not be your first choice but be your second choice or your third choice and there's nothing wrong with that but i think the biggest thing you have to kind of realize is that Especially with us, because like you know, we're what we do is not rocket science. You know, we're not Elon Musk building Teslas or something like that. You know, we're a media company. So, really, in the grand scheme of things, as long as someone has what would we deem the 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 basic hard skills, uh, and able to succeed, I think we can teach them how and how and how we cover and what we do. Um, so it's not uh, for us. It's it's more so about finding someone who fits into the office and finding someone who fits into the culture and is hungry to do something differently. I think that's the biggest thing too, especially in this space because I think you can get caught up with a lot of the the bigger, flashier names and that, you know, it may sound great and it may look great on paper, but when it comes down to it, you have to find someone who's going to be in the weeds with you, especially early on because, you know, as an early stage startup, it's not sexy, right? Like, you know, this isn't... Vogue or a managing editor job at Vogue is very different than a managing editor job here, right? A managing editor job here, you're writing content, you're putting it on the platform on the back end, you're looking at improving our SEO, right? So there's a bunch of different hats you're going to wear. I think it'll help people grow a lot. uh, But I also think that You know it takes a very special set of skills from someone that you really can't teach right like that's just something that if someone wants to be a part of it they'll want to be a part of it and that's kind of what you have to hire the most for is people who want to be a part of something Uh, because if you hire someone who doesn't you know in a month or two months you'll be able to tell right away and then it won't work out for you and it won't work out for them and now you're one or two months behind so it may seem like it takes a little bit longer in which for our case right hiring first time hiring full-time employees for the first time right like it's i personally quite candidly thought it was going to be a lot quicker than this and yeah. and, and it hasn't been and i think, think that's just because of the fact that for us we have to find the right person and we make sure that those first few people are true integral cogs and in what we do going forward uh, because like if we miss on those people uh, it could set us back and then that's not what you want especially coming off of all this stuff that we've been able to to do so
0: yeah definitely i completely uh resonate with that we um Hired our some of our first full time employees a couple months ago, and we sat back and really wanted, like you said, uh, we wanted to make sure we made the right decision. We had some sexy names that came and interviewed, and we realized very quickly that we could not, um, we could not afford them. And uh, how can we? We had to sit back and really think about like how could we say, hey, um, let's let's go with somebody else, but let's make sure that this somebody else is willing to grow with the brand. And willing to yeah. put in the work right now to see the the not only themselves grow in the the coming years, but the brand grow and it be a long lasting position for them, and not something that in a year uh, they're looking for a new position or in six months or something like that. So, I completely resonate with that and get it. Um, yeah, in. And- <laughs> Really quick, before we go uh, into like your story and uh, like school and everything like that, um, I wanted to make sure I ask a lot of people this and I, it's a question that kind of throws people off. So beware. Um, but why do you think what you do is important? Why do you think people should care about uh, who you are and what the front office sports is?
1: I think for us it's an interesting question and I think it's more truly about us being a utility for people, right? I think there's there's different reasons why people use things, right? People use Uber because it's a utility. People get a haircut because of how it makes them feel and because, you know, quite honestly, a good haircut is, uh, is, is important nowadays, right? And So people go to the grocery store because that's how they eat, right? So for us, yeah, you know, we're important because that's how people learn. That's how people stay up to date. That's how people uh, understand the industry better. That's how people grow in, in their role and in the space. That's how, if you're talking about the people we're covering, that's how the people we're covering get exposure, right? So there's two, two parts of the equation when it comes to media companies and the importance is that, and it's a good place to be, right? It's important because there's all of these outlet, or there's all these teams and leagues and agencies and brands Have all these stories they want to tell. And then there's an audience of people who work in the sports industry who want to read all these stories so they can be better at their job, so they can learn something, so they can take an idea and hopefully apply it to their their role. And so you kind of serve as this information intermediary. And for us, being that information intermediary is a very strong place to be and and one that we think, I mean, look, I'm not gonna say we're indispensable because there's other people in the space, right? Right. The big thing is we know we're not going to be the only option every day. We're just trying to work towards being the best option, right? Whether that's having, you know, a really, really engaging social presence where people feel like they can talk to us, or it's having a, you know, a cool, engaging newsletter that people won't want to read every morning, or it's having interesting content on the site that you're not going to see anywhere else, right? Or it's having an award or an event or whatever it may be that adds X amount of value to people's professional career or to their life. And so I think that's, that's the biggest thing is you have to figure out what people use you for and what you want people
0: to use you for and, and really focus on that. It's awesome. Yeah. I uh, like Seriously, one of the best uh, responses I've gotten from that question. So, uh, pat on the back to you. Um, and I swear,
1: I swear you didn't send it to me. <laughs> oh everyone listening, you didn't
0: send that question to me. Yeah, I was, was off the cuff. <laughs> Quick on your feet. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I know, like I said, I've been following for a little bit. I, I know that, um, you guys just, partnered with social on the sidelines with Shabaz and Amara um, and it's a really big I podcasting like what we're doing right now is a really big push because um, people aren't wondering what your brand looks like anymore. It's what your brand feels like and what your brand sounds like and what has been what what was the big deciding factor in kind of moving forward with Amara and Shabaz with uh, social on the sidelines and putting that front office sport branding and uh, with that podcast itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for them, right, well, one, uh, we just don't have, I personally just didn't have time to do a podcast, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was just, for us, it, like, it made sense in a couple different areas. One, we had a partner that we knew would be interested in presenting it, right, and putting some ad spend behind it. Two, Shabazz and Amara are... Right in align with the voice that we want to kind of have in the space, which is much more of a, we want to talk to you as a publication, like a friend in the industry and not so as a publication, right? Like we want you to read us because it feels relatable, not read us because we're just telling you about the industry, right? With no energy and no life and things like that. And so that's what we wanted to do. uh, And they fit that area as well. And the other thing too is like, I saw they were having success and I said to myself, well, if they can have a little bit of success with what they're doing, let's see how we can, you know, do this together and take, I wouldn't say like a barstool approach to it, but very similar to where, you know, barstool finds these personalities, uses, you know, puts them on a platform to succeed and then uses that platform to help them grow that audience, right? So that's kind of how I saw it. I said, okay, Shabazz and Amara are talking to people that we want to talk to, that are people that we want to have on the platform, that are people who are reading our stuff on a daily basis, so why not integrate them in a way that's going to work well for them and work well for us, right? So I think that was kind of the genesis of of the three parts that kind of all meshed together in terms of, okay, we have a partner, we have brand fit and then we have an audience fit and once those all kind of came together it was just a matter of a couple calls mm-hmm. setting it all together finding out the best way to, to work out a deal and it's been good so far I think they've enjoyed it I, we've definitely enjoyed it it adds some variety to our content and gives us something that you know we couldn't we really didn't have the time or even the, the knowledge to, to set out so I think you know, that was the biggest thing is is just really being strategic and finding ways to to add value to other people too.
0: So I love that. I love that. And they're there are two uh, podcast hosts that I, I strive to be. Honestly, like they they're relatively young and in their infancy, but um, when you tune in, it's very listenable. And like when you when Shabazz talks or or when Amara talks. It's like, hey, you're—they're sitting in the room with you, and it's something that um, obviously is good for uh, the the listener and the audience, trying to engage with not only them but their sponsors and with front office sports and with um, their other couple sponsors that they have. So that's awesome. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I thinking, again, I think that's the biggest thing is, is what we saw is their attitude and their approach to the industry was again much like what we wanted to be and. Uh, I think that was the, the most important part, right? The other parts come and the other parts are a lot of based off what we can provide them in terms
0: of distribution and other things like that. But yeah, the biggest thing was that the fit was there and, and that was the most exciting part. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to take a deeper dive into you though. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you started front office sports uh, in school at the U. Um, how did How did that affect your collegiate experience? Like, Most kids were, I'm guessing, out partying, and maybe you did your share, fair share of partying. Um, But when, how did that affect like that experience in college for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it changed it completely, right? I think that for me, right, and. There's a lot of other things that I did. So I worked at a bar. Uh, We have a a sports bar on campus. And so I worked there and uh, spent most of my time doing that uh, outside of school. And yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that I went to Miami and I don't come from, you know, wealth or anything like that. So I had to kind of work and pay my way through school for the most part. And especially in Miami too, the biggest thing is that the the cost to go out and party and do those kind of things is crazy. Oh yeah. If you're like, you know, it's not like Gainesville or it's not like Tallahassee or it's not like any of these other types of places where you can go out at eight o'clock, spend $5, get all the booze and alcohol you want to drink be done by midnight and have had a crazy night. Right. So, you know, in Miami, if you're going out, you're not spending less than a hundred dollars, $150. And so, that was that was obviously an automatic deterrent for me because I just didn't have the money to spend and I think really it comes down to knowing what you want to do, right? For me, like I found a lot of fun in doing Exactly what I was doing in interviewing people in the industry and writing and trying to build up a social following and just trying to do a bunch of different stuff. Like I mentioned, it was a hobby for a better part of three and a half years or so. Uh, all of what has kind of transpired, transpired has been, I would really say, since May of this year, so or May of twenty eighteen. So it's about seven months. And you know, it's it's really all about just knowing what what you enjoy, right? I think there's if you enjoy partying, like. Party if that's what you want to do. Like, there's no shame in that. If you enjoy working, work, and and there's no shame in that, right? I think there's a lot of people who get too caught up in the comparison of everything uh, in terms of like, oh, you know, I'm working instead, and like they're out partying and stuff like that. Where as for me, I genuinely enjoyed work at the bar, and I genuinely enjoyed going in because it was, I was a manager at a sports bar at a campus of, you know, 10,000 students and I was working with all other students. So yeah, I may have worked eight hours a day or seven hours a day on the weekends or whatever it was, but I was like, I'm just basically hanging out with my friends for eight hours. Yeah, I'm working, but I'm getting paid to hang out, see other people who come through, get discounts, you know what I mean? So that was, that was the whole mindset for me. So I would definitely say it changed a lot, but it also gave me different opportunities that other you know, college students don't get. Right. So, you know, like a year out of college, I was, you know, at the national championship game in last year covering and on the field and doing a bunch of stuff for what we were doing. Nice. Uh um, you know, last year I went to, to Monaco to cover an event for glorious world sports. Right. And that's, you know, I'm 23 at the time. Not a lot of 23 year olds get to do that. So, I think that's, that's, it's a give and take, right? Like if you want to spend four years in college enjoying yourself, knowing that you're going to do enough work to get an entry level job and go out in the space and just work your way up, that's right for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, I guess it just didn't interest me. And like quite honestly, like I said, like this was never supposed to happen. Uh, so I, I kind of just fell into this. Like if you had a plan early on, hey, I don't know if it would have succeeded because, yeah, I don't know if I would have had as much fun with it early on if I was trying to build a business right away. But, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, like, it's just something that was a lot of fun to me and I found pleasure in it. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, I didn't go out and I got razzed by my friends and, you know, girlfriends and stuff like that. But, like, that, no, you just have to find people who then, if, if that's the case and people are giving you a hard time, you just have to find other people who... I like to say, and I've heard other people say, like fan your flames, right? Yeah, uh, that's the biggest thing is is finding a circle of people who are going to are going to push you and support you, right? And I think I, you know, I had a, a a larger group of friends freshman year, like anyone may, and it kind of got smaller and smaller as I went, and that's that's what you want, right? Like you want four or five people who know you're going to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, you maybe can go out Friday night. We're not gonna, you know, give you a hard time if you're not hanging out with them and we're gonna be there. So that was kind of the approach I took.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome. And then with school and, and the company, I would love to hear how, how you balance, like obviously, like you said, you were working eight hours, you were doing the company thing, but then you were also going to class and you were having yeah. to to get that degree. How did you, how were you able to balance those three things? If not four, if you count the friends and the family and making sure mm-hmm. those relationships are good, how, how were you able to uh, balance those in a way that, I mean, got you to the point where you are today? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it all just comes down to doing things like using your nights and weekends effectively, right? I think that's the mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. Uh, I know a lot of people shut down, and again, this is all this is all just because of who I am as a person, right? And like what I want to do. But I know there's a lot of people who after five o'clock don't want to check emails, don't want to do anything with work, which is completely fine, right? But for me, like that's when I used. My time, you know, I would use my time at night to, to work on the site, to schedule content for the next day, to post things, to make sure we were moving in the right direction, to email other people, right? Because, I mean, if anything, you can get an email scheduler, which is like free or 15 bucks a month through Gmail. And so you can send all your emails or you can schedule all your emails just like you would on Twitter uh, and schedule them all out. So you could be doing them at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, but the people might not be getting them until 8 o'clock the next morning, which is more, you know, palatable for people who work in the industry or just most people don't want to get emails at midnight. Yep. Some people like myself don't, don't really care, but, you know, there's other people who, who do. So that was one thing. And then the weekends too, I, you know, I I made sure that, I would get up early on the weekends. I'm not a big person who slept in, and if you think about it, uh, depending on what, especially because for me, right, I was a single guy for the most part, right, didn't have any, um, you know, didn't really have any family in the Miami area, so it's not like I was hanging out with family on the weekends. Uh, I did play club baseball, so in the spring that was, you know, I had thirty some games, so that was, you know, a little bit of a getaway for me, but. Uh, It just comes down to using that downtime effectively, right? Using that downtime to to be productive, right? Because I think a lot of downtime, doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be strenuous. It doesn't have to be stressful, but you can be productive in that downtime. And I think that's kind of what made it successful. And luckily I had, you know, professors who understood what I was doing, a work that was flexible. Uh, too. So if I was, you know, if I had caught up on all my stuff, I would be able to check some things in the back. Right. So, uh, it was, it was a lot of give and take and, and balancing things, but you know, again, you find all the people that support you and I enjoyed it. And so for me, it didn't seem like a chore.
0: Yeah. And that support, that support factor is huge, especially on the professor. And, um, one of the, The cooler things I was able to do, and I went to a smaller school up here, it's called Cardinal Stretch University, and um, literally class sizes are maybe 20. So again, maybe in high school, but I'm able to, me, because I have a lot of ADD and I'm off the walls crazy, um, I had to, like I needed to be able to have a conversation with my teacher and um, my teachers realized very sh- or quickly that I was never going to be the one that got a 4.0. Um, but I was going to be the one that when everybody else was maybe just sitting in the room watching Netflix or playing video games or something like that, they knew that I was doing internships. They knew I was doing this. I was doing that and doing everything to get make sure that my resume stood out because they, I knew that the resume wouldn't stand out with my GPA. So, um like having that support factor on that end, when I was going into my eight a m classes, when I had worked late uh, with the brewers or the bucks or anybody, um and having my teacher say, "Hey, it's fine, just I'll get you the notes, just go sleep, please um was huge, and like you said, the support is it, it's something that people don't know um, that they're doing something huge for you. And it's, it's something that it it can't, honestly, it can't be, you can't put a price on it.
1: Yeah, no, you definitely can't. Uh, it's like super crazy, uh, in terms of just being able to, to lean on those people and just honestly to, to talk to them. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing is to being able to talk to them and say, Hey, look, like, this is what's going on, uh, do you mind if I go and, and do this? Or do you mind if I'm late to class because I have this? Or uh, can you introduce me to someone? So yeah, I think that's that's the most important part of everything is, is just being able to, to be confident in what you're doing and then not being afraid to, to ask people and telling them, and not even just asking them, but sharing them, sharing with them what your passion is, and then saying, hey, like, look, this is what I want to do. This is where I think I could use some help. Is is that something that you could potentially like guide me down, or is that something that you know I could potentially lean on you for at some point if I needed to? Uh, I think that's the biggest thing is that just there's not enough people who you, you just can't be afraid to ask questions. I, I think that's the biggest thing because in the grand scheme of things, the people you are asking questions were probably at one point asking questions themselves. So as long as you're doing it in a way that's professional, in a way that's not annoying, in a way that's you know makes sense for them, nine times out of ten people will respond, right? Uh, you know, I think and that was the other thing too for us early on, is that and even still to this day, right? Like we're not trying to cause any harm, right? We're just trying to cover the industry in the most fair and balanced way that we can given our current resources. And so that's you know, that's the approach is we're trying to amplify and, and, and really cover what's going on and, um, and be critical when we need to be critical and, and be celebratory when we need to be celebratory. So again, I think it's really just the approach and, and then the rapport you build with people uh, early on with those relationships like investors that I think will ultimately take those who are in school a long way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and the not being afraid, fat factor is huge, especially when you get to, Uh, obviously my next question actually is, is not being afraid when it gets to challenges. And, um, I've been through some massive challenges with the startup and with, uh, internships and full-time jobs. Um, what has front office sports and Adam White recently faced that really had to, uh, had you thinking at the end of the night or when you lay down in bed and put your head on the pillow?
1: I mean, I think that's an everyday, that's a, that's an everyday thing, right? Just, uh, I mean, look, like the biggest thing is, you know, how do we take this from a hobby slash passion project to a real business, right? That people take seriously. And I think we've done that well over the last year and in the great scheme of things, right? I think the biggest, the biggest challenge is making sure that whatever you're doing, you're not comparing yourself to other people, right? Like, I can't sit here and I think 2018 for me was a struggle where I would where I would I wouldn't say constantly, but I caught myself a lot of the times like looking at what everyone else was doing and mm-hmm. and, and not looking at every, what else what everyone else was doing and thinking about different ways that I could do it, but looking at what everyone else was doing and saying like oh you know we could be doing that or you know how can we catch up or something like that. Where in the grand scheme of things, right at that time, we were all. Part-time group. I was still working at a restaurant. I was TAing at the university after I graduated, uh, and then I was still working on the, the the site and the business at night part-time. And so, uh, you know, you can't compare yourself to companies who have ten per ten people or companies that are in the space that are funded by millions of dollars of VC money or are backed by multi-billion dollar media conglomerates and have a hundred employees, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's great to aspire to be that, but you just, as, as along that journey, you can't be like, you can't compare what they're doing to what you're doing. You know, you can't compare someone hosting 10 events a year to you not even being able to host one because the grand scheme of things, one's been around 20 years and one hasn't even been a real business for a year. Yeah, And so like, you just, you just can't compete. And look, I mean, look, another thing for us too, is that, uh, I for some reason decided to start
0: arguably what would be the hardest business you can out of school
1: and out <laughs> of not having, right? Like, so a media company, With a media company, you have to have eyeballs to get advertisers, right? And to get sponsors, to get people to pay bills and things like that. And for us, right, I started with zero followers, zero experience, zero connections. Like, I literally started from the zero of the zero. And so at that point, it's like... I mean, you're never, you're never going to make money unless you kind of commit to it. And luckily we committed to it enough that two and a half, three years in, we made our first check, right? Which I still have to this day of 2,500 bucks. And I felt like it was a million dollars, right? (laughs) Because you look at that and you're like, wow, someone paid you for for this. And, you know, they've been one of our long-term sponsors and they come back every year because of, you know, what we've done and the relationship we've built and the value we brought them. And, uh, you know, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing is that it's not, that's, that's the challenge, right? It's like, it's just all about consistency too, man. Really? Like, yeah. if you can, if we wouldn't have been consistent over the course of those first two and a half, three years, we wouldn't be where we are right now. If we wouldn't have been consistent, um, you know, within the great scheme of things of where we're at, right? Like, that's the that's the other thing and i think the other the other really big thing is just being authentic to your audience and whoever it may be customers partners and knowing that at least for me knowing that i'm 23 24 don't have a full-time sales staff don't have a full-time creative staff don't have a full-time editor or anything like this and you're like you have people that take chances on you but if if you mess up which is arguably going to happen and happens to anyone because it's life and it's media uh just owning that and telling them hey look i i messed up you know this is what i did wrong i'll let let me fix it and we'll be good and people are going to respect that yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing is that there's a lot of people who don't have the the gumption or who don't have the desire to start their own thing. But a lot of those people look up to the people who do. So as long as you're open and honest and saying, Hey, look, like this is what happened. Or, Hey, sorry, we made a mistake here. Oops, we spelled something wrong Our bad, right? You know, I think that people people rally around that because there's a human element to it. And that's that's another big thing is like being honest and showing them that there is a human behind this business trying to do whatever it is that they're trying to do. and. Uh, people people really genuine, genuinely enjoy that and connect even deeper with that. So, you know, it's there's a lot of different things, but I think the biggest challenge and, and the advice that I would kind of pass on is to just like put your blinders on and know that whatever race you're running is the race that you can run at that time. And if you get some more fuel in the gas tank, you can use that, but only use it to do what is going to be most beneficial to you. So I think that's that's
0: the biggest thing i love that i love that and that's you mentioned you you started from nothing like you said zero followers and um really just trying to grow this from the ground and bootstrap the entire thing what in regards to i, I read an interview um that you did re- or within the last couple of years um and you mentioned something about the the biggest thing for you in growing your brand was building that community. Why was that so important for you um, and the front office sports brand?
1: Well, I just think it's trust, right? I think that's the biggest thing, especially nowadays in, in uh, the era of fake news media, I guess, if you want know to call it that, <laughs> um, or whatever it whatever may be portrayed as, right? I think people want to be trusted. And I think it just goes back to us coming at it with a different and unique voice, right? You know, that comes back to us wanting to tell stories as a friend would tell them and us wanting to be a part of the industry as someone who works in the industry is, right? Be integrated, right? A lot of times, too, as I see what we are as a brand and what we do. Yes, we're a media company, but I also view us as as almost an influencer of sorts, right? Like. I don't see why brands can't be influencers, right? In terms of being influential in the discussion and the, the conversation around whatever it is they're covering or something like that, or or being able to disseminate information and, and share good quality content that they see. And so it's, uh, it's, I think that was the biggest thing. And at the time when we first started four years ago, uh, four and a half years ago, whatever it is now, the, the space was a little less noisy than it is now, and I think the, a lot of the extra noise comes from the fact that people have seen what we've done and have decided to, to get into it themselves or get into it with another media company or whatever it is. Um, so it's kind of almost a validation in one sense, uh, but yeah, just originally and early on it was, <laughs> it was just all about being honest and, and trying to do something a little bit different. And, trying to relate to people as what at that time we thought they would want to be related to us.
0: Love that. And the community thing has been huge for us as well. I mean, um, we're only eight months old, um, to be blatantly honest. Uh, we probably, if you talked to me eight months ago and told me that I'd be in the position I am today, I would laugh at you. Um, but it's, it's all been because of the community that of people that follow us and they don't follow us just blindly like. Um, some Instagram influencer or anything like that. It's it's they genuinely care and they genuinely care when we're going through struggles or they genuinely want to help. Um, and that's something that a com- like honestly some of the some of the brands that blow up they that forget about the community. That's something that they they can't just start randomly. Um, it, it's got to come from. Almost infancy and to have a community following you from infancy to, um, hopefully, uh, where we want to be in five ten years from now. Um, it's, it's just, it's everything really because we know all of our events will have numbers. We know that, um, we will always have X number of likes on our LinkedIn posts or Instagram posts or whatever because we have the people that actually care and that's, um, that's been huge for us. I, somebody asked me if I was in a cult and I was like, Whoa, it's, it's definitely not a cult, but it's, it's a community of people that actually care about each other. And it's, it's been awesome. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's all about real, real engagement and real followers. Right? Like my, my biggest thing, especially in the media space, is anyone like I can go on Instagram and buy 10,000 views yeah. tomorrow, but did those 10,000 views do anything for my business? probably not right like it just doesn't i can go on twitter and buy a million views right you can go anywhere and buy followers buy views buy email lists have subscribers but when you post a video and yeah you pay put paid behind it and now you have ten thousand views but then you post another one and you don't put paid behind it and you have 100 views and people see that they're like okay well this is weird because it doesn't make sense because there's you know why would why would anyone you know, what, what what's the difference here? Where's where's the disconnect or, you know, there's a difference in like with our newsletter, having a 42% open rate or plus, right? Versus and with the amount of subscribers we have, versus having five times as many subscribers, but a 15% open rate, right? Like, so again, like that's, that's what we're focused on. And it's always has been from the beginning is quality over quantity in that You know we have a certain type of people that we want to be in front of and as long as we are in front of those people every single day then we're we're doing a good job and is continuing to grow that that group that we want to be in front of correctly and deliberately and not in a way that's going to water down what we do so not focused on clickbait type stuff or you know, SEO, yep. SEO heavy stuff, right? Like, for I mean, maybe that's just because of the way we've grown up, right? Because like, I didn't know any SEO stuff when I was in school. I never, again, because it was a hobby. I never even thought about it. Uh, and so for us, which is, which is a good thing, you know, you look at our traffic and 50% or so of it comes direct, which is a huge thing, right? Like, that's so important. That's, that literally means people are Typing your URL into the the, the search bar, or whatever yep. it is, and they're going directly to your site. Obviously, I would love to have more search traffic, just because of the fact that you're bringing in new eyeballs, gives you the opportunity to have potentially people sign up for your newsletter, subscriber, or newsletters, things like that. But in the grand scheme of things, like the fact that we have most like most of our audience is a direct connection with us, it tells us a lot from what we want to be able to do and what we can sell advertisers on because we can say, hey, look, like these people are coming to our platform every day seeking out content, right? We don't even have to put it in their hands, whether it's a newsletter or on social or blah, 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 wherever it may be, right? Like we just have to put it out and they're going to come looking because they know what we've been able to do with it up to this point. And quite frankly, like what we've been able to do up to this point has been what just a bunch of people who are spread out all over the place who have passion for the industry and wanted to have some type of voice in yep. the space and and that's at least to me is pretty pretty incredible to see uh, and it's just even more validation because like i look at it and I'm like well look at all the stuff we've done without being a real business without having any full-time employees without sitting down and ever devising a real strategy of who we wanted to be and where we wanted to go and All these different things and and then now I look and I say okay we have this opportunity to do that and what does this opportunity look like and 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 can we actually do it right I think this this year in 2019 is gonna be essentially a validator of okay is this you know a fringe style business that you know people like but people don't or is this a or people like it's not like a real like gonna be a full-time thing or is this something that we can turn into you know a real profitable media business that can be a major player in the space and i think that's the that's the single biggest thing so
0: that's amazing yeah and with with the passion that you have and everything that's that's gone into where you are got gone into where you've gotten today what Let's say you're having a conversation with 18-year-old Adam. What are you telling him?
1: Uh, I think the biggest thing, again, is just not to compare uh, yourself. uh, You know, uh, just because of the fact that I think, again, and this is just something that started even when I was younger, right? I found myself doing it as a middle child, right? I think maybe that's just kind of a, a middle child syndrome, right? <laughs> You're comparing yourself to other people. You want to fit in. You want to do this. You want to do that. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing is just because I've realized over the course of the last few years, only a small group of people like really, really care about you. Um, yep. There's a, a medium-sized group of people that care about what you do and then there's a pretty large sized group of people that just care about what you can provide them
0: and only reach out to you because
1: you can write a story or only reach out to them because they want a connection from you or they want to get involved with your network or whatever. And so the biggest thing then for me, and what I would tell myself is just to focus on that first group uh, because they're going to be the people who are going to be beside you all the time. uh, And they're going to be the people that will likely, you know, be your biggest advocates and be your biggest fans and support you when you make a, goofy mistake or when you spell something wrong or whatever it may be, right? So like that's, that's where you kind of are able to to lean in for lack of better words. And, and really, I would say, just make sure that you're cultivating that because, you know, they're going to, they're going to be the people that if you fail at whatever you do, are going to be there and help you stand up to take on whatever's next, right? Everyone else. It's just going to fly away because you can no longer write a story about
0: them or you can no longer
1: provide this for them or or that for them because that's a transactional thing and that happens with everything, right? Uh, But that's just what's going to happen. And so for you, you don't want to just be chasing all the transactional stuff because if you're not cultivating the stuff that's really real, uh, eventually whatever may happen, if you fail or whatever, you're going to... (laughs) you're going to lose all those transactional people because they're just going to move on to the next thing or they, or you're not going to become a value to
0: them anymore. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's nuts because that's literally the same advice I would give myself at 18. And that's, um, it's been because of this journey and it's been because of, um, I really just from, from the beginning of this journey, I, I thought people were my friends and people would support. And I've realized very quickly that, that, that those, doesn't happen. Um, and there's a select few, like you said, of people that honestly do care. I'm a big family dude. Um, so the family's huge for me. And, uh, even when some family tailed off when I started this journey, it's, it, it was kind of gut wrenching for me. But when you realize who those select few are, it, it's, it's really, pro- it's powerful, really, because now you know those select few when, that, when you're going through a struggle, you can reach out to them because they'll, honestly support you no matter what and that's that's huge and what it, i was searching through the site um and saw that you guys have some uh nominations are starting on january 7th for the rising 25 award and i um, yeah. wanted to make sure that you got you you can talk a little bit on that um and talk about um, the the award itself, um, past participants, and what you guys think would be the perfect nomination for that award, so we can tell our our audience today.
1: Yeah, uh, the Rising Twenty Five is our uh, is our keynote, or our tentpole, if you want to call it award slash event that we started now three years ago, Uh, the goal was we had seen, you know, there's 30 under 30 awards, there's 40 under 40 awards, there's nothing usually higher than that. But my big thing was I was like, okay, so there's this group from usually 18 to 25, 26, uh, as you get into the 27s, the 28s, and the 29s, those are usually the ones that are in the 30 under 30 category just because of they've had more experience to be in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, so what can we do differently that'll give us the opportunity to basically own, I would say, a portion of the market when it comes to an award, right? And I think uh, that we, we didn't want to go higher, like 50 under 50, right? Because it didn't make sense. But so for us, I was like, okay, rising 25, I think that would be pretty cool. Set a 25 uh, year old limit on it. And yeah, it worked out really well. I think the first year we got what uh, I want to say 140 nominations, 100 nominations. We got 140, 115 last year. I think this year based on just the our trajectory and our growth, we'll probably do three hundred plus. And wow. that's, you know, if not more, hopefully around the five hundred mark. And that's just for twenty-five spots, right? So, you know, I think the big thing is that we want to create an award that has value and an award that feels like it has weight. And an award that someone like a kid who won rising twenty-five is going into an interview, has it on their resume and people are like wow right that that means like this kid is this kid this person is good like i immediately know that they are someone who's high quality because i know all of these other rising 25 people and i've seen that and that has happened right i think you know i I was talking to one of the rising 25 uh, winners from last year and he just got a new job and he was telling me yeah i had it i had it on my resume and the ceo of the company was asking me about it and all these different things. I also happen to be friends, you know, with the CEO. We've worked out with him on a couple stories, texted back and forth. And so it's just like those types of things that you end up creating this external value and creating what would be essentially a pipeline for future opportunities for your business or a pipeline for future opportunities uh, for the people who are in the rising 25, right? So I think that's the really really cool opportunities that all these rising twenty five people get into a Slack group. We'll, protect, we'll, we'll continue to evolve that program, and in, in terms of making like almost like an alumni program that will add a lot of value to these people in there. It's, it's almost like an easier. And I would say it's an easier way to get ahead. But there's some there's some opportunities like if they're posting jobs in there, if they know uh, someone who's moving in a different job, or if they just want to work together, connect together, uh, and then. Like that's the biggest thing is that you now have essentially as you continue to grow 25, 50, 75, 100 plus uh, really brand advocates because they've had a lifetime moment. That's what we like to call with your brand, And that's, again, that's the biggest thing is now as we grow right after this year, we'll have 75 and next year we'll have 100 people who... We know for probably the better part of the rest of their life, as long as we're still around and we don't do anything to do them wrong, right? They're going to be brand advocates for us. They're going to find ways to help us grow. They're going to work with us. They're going to read us, things like that. And I think, you know, that's another big proponent of being able to have this award is that you have these opportunities to provide value for not only yourself and kind of create an authoritarian credibility, like opportunity, but also give all of the people who win them uh, almost a stamp of approval.
0: Definitely. And we'll, um, that, that sounds awesome. And creating that it sounds like honestly, you're creating that community of the rising 25, which is awesome. Like you said, brand advocates, um, as you guys grow and as the, the, the group of 25 or 75 or a hundred or 125 grows, uh, the brand will grow too. So that's, that's amazing. And we'll throw uh, a link to nominate, a sports professional or something like that down when that goes live and everything as well as the podcast goes live as well. So hopefully we can drive some nominations your way. Um, Yeah. It should be, uh,
1: should be live on the seventh and then applications will be open for a month. So January 7th to
0: February 7th. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and I I don't want to take up a crazy amount of your time. Uh, The last, honestly, the real last question we ask everyone this question when they're on the show um, is You're on the Urban Misfit show. So, what makes you a misfit, Em?
1: (laughs) What makes me a misfit? Uh, I think there's just a lot of, I would say, a lot of different components to that. Uh, I would say the fact that I think we're not afraid to challenge the norm. Uh, I'm a big, like I said, big person into to questioning and not questioning to be annoying, but questioning to find out why things can't be done better, right? Uh, I think that's a, a huge thing, right? It's, it's it's making sure that you're asking questions to, to make things better, not questions to just ask questions and be heard. Uh, reasons. Uh, I think another one is that by societal standards, I guess I'm not the typical 23, 24 year old. Uh, you know, I don't usually go out, I hardly drink. Um, and it's just something that, you know, I put a lot of energy and effort into something that I have and we have cultivated. And I don't want to have anything ever mess that up, at least right now or really in the future. And so, I think that's, if you want to say by societal standards, that's a little different. And then, I don't know, I think I just have a, I think I just have a different outlook on, on different areas. Uh, I have a lot of different tastes, right? I think for me, the big thing is, is you know, this isn't the end-all be-all for me, right? I, I really want to see us grow and continue to be super successful, but I have a lot of other different ambitions or areas that I think in just general life that can be approved, I uh, thing is I'm obviously spend a lot of time in the restaurant space. So I could, you know, envision myself doing something there. I really find barbershops fascinating. I really find uh, air travel and airlines fascinating and how you can improve that. Because a big thing for me and, and one of the areas that I kind of always tend to look at is there's a lot of brands that try and go after the top 10% and then there's a lot of brands that try and go after like the very bottom of the barrel, cheapest it can be blah, 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 But there's not a lot of in between. Um, and there can be a lot of success in the in between space, right? There's, uh, especially like I say, in like the air travel or the barbershop space or, mm-hmm. or the restaurant space. Uh, I think someone like the hotels, you see that a lot more of, uh, you have your, like, you know, your, Basic $69 a night hotels. You have your Holiday Inns, which are 150 You have, you know, a definitely like delineated tier of hotels. And so, but you look at them and you're like, wow, Holiday Inn is, you know, very, very successful company. Uh, so it's just like those different types of things that I have a lot of interest in. Um, so I would just kind of say those would be the, the things that would make me. A misfit because I don't I don't think most people are are like that.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I won't have you hang up immediately after, but I will yeah. have to I will say uh thank you um for jumping on for with me today. Again, any links, anything that um like for front office sports or uh, your Instagram handle, your LinkedIn profile, everything will be included in the description everything like that uh, but i will thank you again for having for jumping on with me today i know we had some technical difficulties to start but truly enjoyed this conversation was meaning to message you just to jump on the phone and have a conversation like this for i mean a couple of years to be completely honest at this point now
1: well i appreciate it man uh it's good to good to be going and finally connect and hopefully it's the beginning of relationship that who knows where it can go Uh, so excited about uh, continuing to to chat finding ways to work forward work together in the future
0: thank you guys so much for tuning into the urban misfit show today um again we had on adam white it's been amazing chatting with him learning about all the cool stuff he has and he's done um want to thank our presenting sponsor wisconsin vision for hooking it up today and um sponsoring the episode And everything that we talked about, all the links to the Rising 25 front office sports, Adam White's LinkedIn profile will be in the description below. Tune in next time.